Okay, in this second session, we want to talk about who we are in God's creation. Who am I in God's creation? In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So we know that in creation, through to the accounts in creation, God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. And we have a physical body. We have an outer man. Okay? That I see looking at you tonight. We have an outer man. And... Uh, in this outer man, we have five senses, and through these five senses, we are aware of this physical world. But the Bible also, in this verse, tells us that there is an inner man. You know, God breathed his into, into, into this body the breath of life. So God put into this man a spirit life. And the man became a living being. So man has a soul and spirit. Right. So we are in this inner man, the outer man, this physical body, in this inner man, we are a social being as well as a spiritual being. We have a soul in other words, we have mind, will, and emotion. So through our soul, we are in touch with ourselves. We're in touch with those who are around us. Okay? But we have a spirit. Our spirit being, the function of our spirit is we have a conscience. We have intuition. That means we, in the spirit, we can sense things. We, the, the function of a, another function of the spirit is communion. We can commune with God as well as the spirit realm. Okay, so through our spirit, we're in touch with the spirit world. Through our soul, we are in touch with our social world. So that is who we are in creation: an inner man and an outer man. And in our outer man, we have needs, basic needs for survival. Our outer man, we know we need food, we need water, we need uh, uh, air to breathe. Without them, we will die. These are basic needs that we must have. And if these needs are not met, because it's a matter of survival, you will try and get it. For instance, if, if you have no money to buy food, what would you do? You may steal. You see? Right? You will do things in order to get it. Right? You know, if you are stranded in a boat in the middle of the sea with no food, how do you survive? You drink your urine. Ugh. You see, under normal circumstances, you don't do it. But because of survival, it forces you to do something. It is needs that you must, it must be met or else you will die. Similarly, in our inner man, our inner man has also basic needs. Spiritual needs, emotional needs. We're going to talk about what they are. And if these needs are not met, we too will find ways and means to get it met. And if we think that they are impossible to reach, we will die. And that's why people commit suicide. Because their inner needs are not met. And they 
feel a sense of hopelessness, thinking that they can never be met. And so they would rather die than live. But some people, they have no courage to die, to kill themselves, that is. Okay, so they die on the internal. Somehow something happened, you know some people? Their life is never the same again. No more joy, no more excitement. They are just like a living zombie. They are just going through life, just survive and just going through every day. And, and, and they have no meaning in their life. Right? Because of certain internal needs that has not been met. They, their life died. Okay? So someone said that, that uh, in the epitaph, of, of someone. It says they were born in 1945, died in 1976, buried in 1990. That means in 1976, they are, they are already dead. Inside. They are not living the life anymore. But they actually died in 1990 where they are buried physically. You see, so our internal needs, just like our physical needs, these basic needs has got to be met or else, you know, we would die. And they can, we need people to help meet those needs. But ultimately, only God alone can meet all the internal needs, the spiritual needs. Okay, so what are our internal needs as, as, as men? Uh, Number one is significance. Our internal needs. Number one is significance. We need to feel a sense of importance, a sense of value, a sense of purpose in order to live. So our purpose will actually give us a sense of worth. You know, I have a purpose in life. You know, that, that makes me feel that I'm important and useful. You know, purpose. And uh, if you don't sense your worth, you know, you feel that you're worthless, you feel that you're not important, nobody cares, and so on and so on. What do they do? They die. Okay, they kill themselves. If, if they have the courage to do it. Okay, but God in creation has given us Significance in Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, you see, we are created for significance. God has created us in His image. He has given us free will to make choices in life, to determine our future. You know, that is just like God. We have a free will to determine, to decide. We determine our future. You determine your future through the choices that you make. You know, we are not just driven endlessly by circumstances. No, we determine our future. God has given us authority to govern, to rule over this earth. He's given us a purpose why we should live. Not to live for ourselves, but live to contribute towards this world, to govern this earth, to make this world a better place. That's the purpose God has given to us. To rule. He's given us authority. He's given us intelligence. We're created in His image. You know, God is a creative God. And we too are to create. God say rule. Create this world that I've given you. 
by bringing things that is not there and inventing it and, and bring it in. Hey, that's creation in a different sense, but it's create, creativeness. So God has created us in His image. He has created us for significance. That's our needs. You know? And God has, in creation, meet those needs. And the second thing that our inner man needs is love and acceptance. Love and acceptance. God came in the cool of the day to talk to man. They have intimate relationship, communication. So men are not just chucked into this world, have to fight for their survival on their own. No, God came. God spoke to them. They experienced the love of God. They experienced the acceptance of God. They sense a sense of belonging, knowing who they are. That God is their creator. That God is their father. They are the children. So we too, we need love and acceptance. And we need, we need to belong to a tribe, to, 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 to a group. And God has put us in His family. He has put us in church. That's why it's so important that we need to belong to a church. You know? So we we don't want to be people who are so spiritual, you know. I I believe God and I can pray at home, you know. I go wherever I feel like, wherever I want to. God didn't ordain it that way. God purposely set us in a community because we also need others to minister love and acceptance to us, as well as ultimately it has to come from God. To be to 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 be totally mad, but God many times used other people to minister to us, love and acceptance, and and the needs is so great. As I say, if you don't get it, if you don't have your needs met, you will find other ways to 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 get those needs met. And that's why a, a teenager in school, no matter how you tell your kids, you know, don't. Associate yourself with that group of people. They are not good people. They will, you know, destroy your life. No matter how you said and instruct them, they know in their mind how bad those people are. But how come they still end up in a gang with them? Because of the needs for love and acceptance. When they belong to that group, they feel that sense of belonging. They feel that sense of acceptance and love there. Their mind tells them, this will kill me, this will destroy me, these people are no good. But inside, they are crying out for love. They are crying out for acceptance. So that drives them somehow, they still end up with that gang. So can you see how powerful these needs are if they are not met? And the third thing we need is security. Security. A sense of competence, well-being, confidence. You see, God provided for men in that garden. He has given them that security in His presence, in the garden, where everything is supplied. You know, they feel safe, they feel confidence, and needs are being met there. So there is that security. You see, if we don't feel confidence with ourselves, we become insecure. Isn't that so? You know, that's why a lot of people are insecure because they have no confidence about themselves. And, and if you are, feel that you're not capable, you know, your needs are, are, are not able to be met, you know, and you don't have enough, well, it will create that insecurity in your life. Right? But that is our needs we need 
significance, love and acceptance, security. I know there are probably other needs, you see, but I'm talking about a basic need that we must have. And if we don't, if we don't uh, get them met, we will somehow find other ways to get it met. A young girl, teenage girl, growing up in a broken home, you know, father left home, divorced, mother nagged at her. The sense, the, 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 the desperate needs for love and acceptance, sense of belonging, and, 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 you know, will drive her to get into relationship with men. Maybe at times even older men. And they will have sex with them. Not because they wanted the sex, but because there is a need for love and acceptance. And they are desperate crying out for love and acceptance. So they thought, at least this man, make me feel that I'm loved and accepted. They are not. After that man, they just want a man's love. In fact, they just want a father's love. Because they are not getting it. They are not getting the love and acceptance. And so they, they, they are exploited by other men around. Because of the needs that is inside, that is driving them. So when we don't get those needs met, we go for substitute. We go for what the Bible calls idols. You know? In place of God. Because we know that ultimately all these are inner needs, they are spiritual, emotional needs that only God Himself can fully satisfy us. Man can help, but they cannot fully satisfy. So we go for idols, substitute uh, for God. You know, and the idols, there are two categories of idols. There are idols that are acceptable in the sight of people. There are idols that are not acceptable by man's standard. You know, what are the acceptable idols? In order to feel sense of importance, we strive, we get money, try to earn money, we try to get, climb the ladder, and we work so hard. And so, you see? But people say, that's a good man. I'm not saying, you know, we should be lazy, not working and not, not doing our best and so on. That's not what I mean. But what I'm saying is that man probably have neglected the wife and are taking care of the children and so on. But he has, you know, just gave himself to, to, to get that position, to meet that needs of significance, of love and acceptance of security by, by his work. But because we think that you know, that's acceptable. But if the same man were to use sex and drugs as idols to make him feel good, high about himself, even though it's just for a temporary time, because of the needs, the emptiness inside. He just wants to feel good. But we say, oh, that's bad. You know? So that's unacceptable idols to us. Right? So, so you see, if, we, if those needs are not met, they got to be met. Either you die or you find a substitute, a coping mechanism in order to live, in order to survive. You know, so some of these idols seemingly are quite harmless. They could be just television, reading, you know, sports. Not that they are wrong in themselves. You know, when I feel, you know, some guys, they, they are so lousy with the study. They feel so worthless. But they compensate that needs of significance, of importance by excelling in sports. Right? So they do so well. Well, they get a medal in sport, but they get a zero in the exam. But at least that, that, that proved that I'm somebody. That proved that I'm, I'm okay. I'm important. 
You see, you compensate that. You know, with, with, with a different kind of idols because it's acceptable, you know. Uh, uh, we, we need that to cope, cope with life. And, and in church, it can be ministry. You know, we serve the church, we serve the church. Why? You know, when you serve in a church, you know what people say to you? Wow. Hey, this guy's good. You know, he's a good Christian. He already served, you know. And then when you serve well, hey, you're promoted, you know. Oh. And, 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 and maybe there are further promotion. You see, so, so somehow, hey, that's good, you know. What's the difference between this and being doing well in your company and being promoted by your boss because you did well? We can use the ministry to meet these needs. In fact, we are not serving the Lord. We are serving ourselves. You know, through the ministry, we want to get our needs met. You know what's the test? When you have done everything, nobody say, hey, you've done well. In fact, misunderstanding happened. People scold you. They blame you. You know? What is your reaction? You feel so hurt? From now on, I don't want to serve. No you serving in church. You know, you do well. People don't appreciate you when you've done something wrong or you didn't do anything wrong. They blame you. You know, I don't want to serve anymore. Have you heard that? You know why? Because we are serving, using the ministry to meet certain needs in our life. The needs for love, acceptance, significance. And now we are not getting it. We don't get what we expect, what we want. So now we don't want. We still feel so hurt and betrayed. You see, it's not that little incident, that little misunderstanding that causes you to react in this way. That's just the, 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 if you like, the trigger. But the real truth beneath the surface is because you're not getting the acceptance and love and the significance that your inner man is crying out for. So, ministry can be an idol in our life. Okay? So, you know, some people use religion as their idols to meet, meet their needs, right? Uh, whatever, you know. Okay. But we know, we know, ultimately, it's only as we get into relationship with God that our inner needs are met. And that's why God spoke to the, uh, Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman. If you turn to John 4, you know this woman, this Samaritan woman, she had five husbands, right? Okay, she had five husbands. And uh, you know how Jesus described her? Now the man that she's staying with is not her husband. You know, Jesus described her as somebody who is so thirsty. And she has been drawing water and drink, but those water cannot satisfy her. Because she drinks from the wrong source. Okay, so she's not satisfied. Her needs of significance, her needs for love and acceptance, her needs for security are not satisfied. And that's why she's so desperate. It's not that she's weaker. It's not that she's immoral. That's not the real reason. The real reason is because there is an inner cry in her heart. She desperately needs love and acceptance. She desperately needs to feel sense of worth and importance. 
and have a security in his life. You see, so that's why Jesus never condemned her. So when Jesus looked at her, Jesus realized how desperate, desperate she is for those needs to be met. And she's looking to the wrong source. She's looking to man to meet those needs. And this evening, if there's a desperate cry in your heart and you're looking to others to meet those needs, you're looking at the wrong source. You may feel good for a little while, but your needs are not being met. Oh, this woman was so desperate, you know, this, this man that is, who is not her husband. She was so desperate. She just want, never mind whether she's, she's, this man will, will, will leave her, you know, in, 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 in days or months time. It doesn't matter. So long as this man can give her that feel just for a little while of being loved and being accepted, being, being, being wanted, having worth. Just for a little while. So desperate was her need that she doesn't mind just staying with this man. You know what Jesus said? How she can get her needs met? How you and I can get our inner needs met? He said, you come and drink the water that I give to you. When you drink of this water, this river of living water, you will never thirst again. You see, it's the water that Jesus gave. So how do we drink? We've got to get connected with God. We've got to get connected with Jesus. That's why it goes on to talk about, you know, uh, in verse 23, he said, time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipper the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshiper must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus is saying, you want your inner needs met. You want those cry, desperate cry of your heart met. You've got to get connected with the right source. And how do you get connected with the right source? This, the source is God. He is a spirit. So the only way you can get connected and have His Spirit to flow down into you is that you worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's how you get connected. That's how you will be satisfied. Because then His Spirit will flow into your spirit. Pour into your life the love, the acceptance, the sense of worth and peace, and security, and well-being into your life. And you'll be truly satisfied. But the Samaritan woman was looking at the wrong source. And that's why she was never satisfied, and still desperate, crying out. Okay, so we talk about who we are, in creation, that's how God has made us. Outer man, inner man, with specific needs. And I hope that we will all remember them, you know, our inner man, what we need. Because it's the same with everyone. You have the same needs, I have the same needs. It's the same with everyone. The needs for significance, the needs for love and acceptance, the needs for security. We all have these needs and they got to be met. And they can only be met, truly, fully met by God Himself as we connect in worship, in informing Him and receive from His Spirit. Now, that is how God has made man, Adam and Eve. And uh, God has given man a condition how man can continue to relate to God and be connected with God so that all these needs that is inside will continually to be met by God. 
God has placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the center of the Garden of Eden. And God said, "You cannot. You can eat all the tree. You can even eat the tree from the fruits, uh, the tree from the fruits, uh, the the tree of life, but you cannot eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Okay, that is the command. That is a condition that God has set for man to maintain relationship with Him. Remember, our identity comes because of our relationship with Him. And our inner needs are met because we are in relationship with Him. But men, we know that men sin and ate of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, the Word of God says, uh, God's command says, the day you eat of this tree, you will die, right? You will die. And what does it mean? Death means separation. It's not necessarily an extinction of life, you know, or or, or, or no life, you know. Death, somebody uh, die, they actually leave us to another world. So we are separated from them. They are not dead per, per, per se, you know, uh, but they are separated from us. The prodigal son who left the father and go his own way, the father said, this son of mine is dead, but now he's alive again, right? So death means separate, separation. So when men add of the fruit of the uh, tree of uh, good and evil, man's relationship was separated from God. They die. Okay? So, what happened? What's the effect of this, this separation? Remember, we depend on God to have our inner needs met. We depend on God. But now, the source of our needs is cut off. We're separated from Him because of sin. So, what happened? There is a loss of Knowledge of God. In Genesis 3, verse 7 and 8, you know, Adam and Eve, they were hiding themselves away from God. They are no longer in close relationship with God. So there is a, a loss of knowledge. So our image, which was God's image in us, remember, we are created in God's image. So inside us, we have God's image. But now because of sin, this God's image is now distorted. It's not completely lost. We still have some knowledge of God. Right? Uh, so, so, but that God image that is in us is now distorted, is now destroyed because of man's relationship with, with God. So the Bible tells us that we were dead in our transgression Ephesians, uh, and sin, Ephesians 2, 1. So we are no longer in relationship with God. And so, now, who am I? Who am I? I used to depend on God and identify with God to know who I am because I was in relationship with God. But now that relationship is cut off. How do I know who I am? You see, when we add of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now our relationship depends on performance. Good, evil, right or wrong. Whether you do right or you do wrong. So now that relationship depends on performance. How well do you perform? That's the consequence of eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So now we don't know who we are because we have lost contact with God. Before it was God's, it was a relationship with God. 
you know, to tell us that we are created by God, we are the sons of God, we are created in the image of God. But now that 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 relationship cut off. So now we just depends on on the performance, on other external things. Right, like what we say just now, in, in in what we have, what we what we don't have, uh, to 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 reaffirm who we are. So, we depends on our abilities. You know, if I can do something well, oh well, then I'm good. I'm good at those things. You know, and and the opinions of others, we depends on all these things. You know, uh, uh, to base our self-worth. You know, somebody say we're good. Oh, we're so happy. Wow, now, you know, we feel that we're good. Because somebody say we're good. If they say you're bad, you know, we feel sad, we feel angry, you know. Because, well, somehow we, we, we feel that we are, we believe what they say. And that's why we're angry. And we feel that way. Okay, so, and then our circumstances in life. You know, maybe life is tough. Life is bad. A lot of misfortune happens to us. So when we look at our circumstances, we look at what we, we experience, so we begin to say, well, you know, somehow my life is no good. My life is not worth anything, you know. Well, you know, we're from a poor family and, and, and all these things happen and so on. So, so you see, circumstances finally, the outcome of the circumstances that I, I, I experience finally determine on how I look at myself. Because I've lost relationship with God. I lose that God image that, that I was created with. Okay, so now, now that we, we lose that God image because of sin, what do we do now? We build our self-image. So that's why people today, people talk about self-image, self-image, what's your self-image, what's your self-image. Why? Because we lost our God image. If we are in relationship with God, then we talk about God's image. Because we're created in God's image. But now we lose that. So I don't know who I am, so I have to build my self-image. Who I am. See? In order to give me a sense of self-worth, right? That's that's why I built my self-image. So, we we were not born with a, in one sense, with a low self-image. We we learn it from the messages, identity messages that we receive about ourselves from the circumstances that we experience through our own performance good or bad you know we through those things we begin to form a mental perception of who we are you know that's our self image because i really don't know who i am right when you were born when you were young do you know who you are you don't but people, how people treat you, how you experience your relationship with people begins to, 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 to convey to you a message about who you are. And the first eight years of our life are very, very important because by eight years old, those identity messages that we have been receiving would have already been developed in our mind. So by then, we more or less know uh, how we look at ourselves. And, and after that, it's difficult to change that perception. So that, those, those early years are very important. Okay, so let's look in details how our self-image are being uh, uh, formed. Okay, how do we know who we are now that we are cut off from God, we are lost from God? Okay, so the first thing is identity messages that we receive from significant people, people who are important to us. 
it's not just any Tom Dick, you know, a crazy guy walking in the street and shout, you know, you fool. You don't care about what he says. But if your father tell you, you fool, that's a different story. Isn't that so? So it's from significant peoples in our life. And who are the most significant people in your life? Who are the most significant people in your life? At least in your early life. Your mother and father, right? Okay, let's go back to the situation. Let's say you're conceived in your mother's womb. And it's an unwanted pregnancy. Maybe your mother is still single. What does she want to do? The first thing. She feels shame. She feels guilty. She's thinking about aborting that child because she's single. You know, all these messages go down to the fetus. And this little life inside already received a message of rejection, death, worthlessness, unwanted. You see? It's already there. It may not be that severe. It may be a husband and wife. But the marriage is very rocky. And so there's constant conflict and quarrel. You know, woman, you know yourself right after a quarrel. How do you feel emotionally? And many times it's inside, right? And who is inside? Who is receiving all those messages? The child. Okay? And we know through science today, and, and people are, you know, are really practicing it, you know, playing music to the, to, to the little life inside, talking to the little life inside, because they know it works. Messages are getting through. So even before you were born, you were already receiving identity messages about who you are, whether you're of worth, whether you're useless, whether you're not wanted, or whether you're wanted. You already receive. Okay, now let's, let's move on to the time you were born. The first people that you most likely are in contact with is your mother and probably your father. Okay, because you don't know who you are, you're just born into this world. Right? And when you were born inside, let's say you were pretty secure. But once you're out, the first few moments are, are really, you know, frightening time. Right? You're entering into a totally new world and, and that security seems to be taken away. And and, and, and in the, in those formative years, you know how your parents treat you will give you the identity messages. You know, they really love you, spend time with you, cuddle you, kiss you, pamper you, touch you. You know, all these things are conveying the message that I love you, you're important, wow, you're so sweet, you're so beautiful. You see, identity messages. And you begin to receive those messages, even though as a little child you may not understand the language, but through the sort of love, you are receiving those messages that I'm so special. Wow, they care for me, they love me, and so on. You know, there was an experiment that was done during the Second World War because there's a lot of orphans during those times. So they did an experiment. There was two groups of baby. One group was on this side and, and the other group was another side. So they take care of the baby. This group, they show love. They carry the baby, they cuddle the baby, they feed the baby and so on. This group, they just coldly, you know, just feed the child. You know, when they're hungry, just feed them and just do the minimum that is necessary. And they realized the mortality rate of these babies that was not proper, properly loved and cared 
you know, the mortality rate was so high. And this group that they care so well, they feed so well, hey, most of them, they, they, they live a healthy baby, you know, they survive. You know why? This group, as I say, those inner needs, if they are not met, the needs for love, the needs for acceptance, somehow you feel that you rather die than to live. It's easier, it's less painful to die than to live in such circumstances. And so they, they check, you know, this baby, they die not because of diseases. Some of them, they are healthy baby in terms of, you know, they're not sick, but yet they die. That was the discovery. Okay, so in those, those early formative years, you know, our parents, they're so important to us. And so how they treat us, how they take care of us, are conveying identity messages that we, we receive about ourselves. Okay, as we grow older, you know, now we begin to get in contact with siblings, right? And relatives and so on. You know, this is our, before we go to school. And, and that's why you, we, we know the, the, the uh, middle child syndrome. Have you heard about that? Right? You know, uh, you see, because they're living in that sort of environment and, and she's, or he or she is comparing the, the treatment that, that she get and, and that gave the identity messages that she's sort of, sort of not that important. The older one is, of course, the most important one. The younger one is so cute and so lovely. But the middle one, well, you just survive by yourself, you know. I mean, you know, you see? So the identity messages, that's why the middle child, you know, face a lot of identity crisis. Not that the parent really ill-treat, you know, ill-treat uh, him or her in, in, in that sense. No, not, not really. But it's just that the messages that the child receives. And so that's why, you know, the middle child can react and can, can, can throw out, you know, you know, because she or he is seeking for love, acceptance, significance, a position in the family. Okay, so siblings, you know, some siblings, they are nice, others, they fight, and, and they, they can be very cruel to one another. So, so through that, you receive messages, and if you, if you live in extended family, you know, this uncle and that, it's not ngam, you know, then you have a lot of problems, you see. Uh, all these are conveying messages, you see, messages, especially in the, in the you know, normally the, the older son has, has, is more important, right? You know, so all this family uh, thing, they are conveying messages you know, into you. But once you go to, you begin to go to school as a, you know, little girl, little boy, when you go to school, who is so important in your life? Teacher, right? So whenever the little child comes back, they will say, teacher, say this. You know, if the teacher is no English sort of, uh, uh, you know, half, half past six and say telephone, you know, and the mother trying to correct the child, you know, and the child will say, teacher say. So teacher must be right, you see. Lo and behold, one day, the lady teacher, before she came to school, had a quarrel with her husband. And the anger and the, 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 the bitterness was inside and she was in a foul mood. And this little boy or little girl and somehow that day just play out a little bit and just just become naughty and this teachers with all the emotional upset from the family from the husband now begins to explode and begins to release on this child and say you stupid girl stop it teacher say I am stupid. Teacher must be right. I'm stupid. You see? Identity messages. You know, from significant people. 
So, so those, those, those younger years, you know, teachers say, so how, you know, teachers, they treat the, they are very partial. Sorry if you are teachers here. You know, in, in our day, in our day, I don't know about today. You know, those who come top in class, somehow they are specially favored, right? Have you experienced that? If you are not doing so well, somehow they look as if, well, you know, why are you in my class, you know? Uh, why are you wasting my time? You, you're good for nothing. You... And they treat you differently. So what messages are you getting? I'm not good. I'm stupid. You know, those are the clever ones. Those are the ones who are loved and accepted. Me, no. I'm, I'm useless. Okay, so you, you receive those identity messages, you know, uh, at, at, when, when you are that, that, that young little boy, uh, girl. But when you reach teenage years, who is most important in your life? Friends. Now what your parents say also not important. Go in this year, come out that year. Sometimes didn't go in, just go this way. You see? Your friends. But, you know, friends, they can be very cruel, you know? Have friends give you some nickname that you would not like to mention? You want to know my nickname? I'm not telling you. It's not your business. They can be cr- so cruel, you know? They, they can hurt you. And, and they can reject you. You see? And that's why people rather join gangs because they give me an identity. I belong here. They don't want me, but this group, they want me. I'm accepted here. Anything happen, you know, I'm secure. My Taigo will take care of them. You see? So why don't I join gang? Hey, I know it's not good, but it gives me that identity that I desperately cry out for, that I need to survive, in order to survive. Okay, so, so we go to teenage years, you know, our friends, their comment, their opinion, that's why we want to be like them in our dressing. We don't want them to tell us that we're old-fashioned, we're out of date, you know. We want to belong. You see? So we begin to imitate. Because we want to belong. We want to feel the sense of importance and acceptance. If, if I don't compromise, if I don't go with them, they don't want to be my friend. So even though I'm a Christian, but... Ayah, how? So you struggle and struggle. Finally, you just give in and say, because you need friends. You need to be accepted. You need to be loved. So... Go to church. I'm Christian. Come out of church. I'm gang member. How do I survive? You see? So, those are our teenage years. But when we sort of move on in the society and we begin to work, then how does society look at us? Give us the identity messages. Rather, reinforce the identity messages that we have received. Because remember, by, by about age eight, you know, your identity messages uh, that, that you perceive about yourself is, is, is basically formed already. So the subsequent experiences are just reinforcing those messages that you have. So anyway, back into society. So now, how I perform in society? Can I earn a lot of money? Do I get promotion? You know, am I wanted? And so on and so on. So my performance, my performance, my performance. Because I don't know who I am. I'm cut off from God, the source of my, 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 my identity, right? Uh, my inner needs. So now I base it on all these things. And so, if you have done well, you feel better about yourself. You see, but not totally. 
If you have already received that negative identity messages, right? You already feel that you are not worthy, that you are not good enough, that you are uh, not going to do so well, and so on, so on, so on. If you have that identity messages inside, now that you are an adult, now that you are working and you are doing so well, Somehow, this doesn't change how you perceive yourself on the inside. It, it changes a little bit, it affects a little bit, but not totally. The, the, the past still affects you. So you see, that's why, you know, for, for the, 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 the person who depends on wealth and, and, and position and, and success uh, to, to make them feel worthy and so on, is always one more dollar they need in order to, to, to say enough is enough. It's always one more dollar. Because they are driven by that deficient identity messages from young. Now the circumstances is different. Now the performance is, is telling them, good, you know, you're done well and so on. But still, inside, it's still that voice. You're not good enough. So it's never enough. You've got to do better. You've got to get more. You've got to get more. You're, you're not good enough. You see, that message is there. So it's still affecting the person right now. You see, it can change a little bit, but affect a little bit, but, but you're still affected by, by, by the past. So if you base your identity on your past behavior, uh, on your performance, so you look back on your performance, you base it. If you do that long enough, then our past behavior will eventually be the sole basis of our self-worth. Because you always look back, you know, oh, my, my performance, my you look back. So finally, you know, that, that past experience, it's the sole basis that you form your self-worth. So if we base on our opinions, the over-achievement trap, somehow there's a drive that is inside to prove our worth. We're always driven, always there's more. We're not talking about excelling, you know, for excellence. We're talking about being driven, driven, driven. You know, the person is not resting, doesn't know who he is, still, still searching for more, 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 more. You know, so eventually, if they carry on like this, probably eventually they may burn out, right? Okay, so the other thing that uh, we we look at ourselves, we we base our self worth on is uh, our failures and sin. You know, we, we fail, so the guilt is there. And uh, so that guilt will create a sort of self-depreciation about ourselves, right? Because of that guilt feeling, so we don't feel good about ourselves. And then uh, we talk about how do we base our identity messages uh, our self-image on number one on the identity messages number two on my performance okay number three we base it on our appearance appearance first Samuel 16 verse 7 God told Samuel I've chosen not this son of Jay-Z he said, men look on the outward, but God look on the hearts, the inside. Okay, so men look on the outward. That is the fact of life, right? Especially today in this uh, day and age, how the advertisement sort of project, right? Whether you got it or you don't have it, you know, that sort of thing, right? So, so if I, so we are very conscious, wow, especially teenage, teenager, 
right? So, so you learn. If I don't perform well, I'm not accepted. I'm not loved. If I perform well, I'm loved and accepted. So I'm somebody. So that's why we compensate the, 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 the division self-image through our performance, through all these things. You see, that's why some, some parents, they're also imparting the wrong values upon their child. They want their child to perform so that they can gain all those medals they put in their house, you see, you know, to, 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 to prove that they are important. They, they are conveying a wrong message. They are telling your child, if you are talented, if you perform well, if you do well, then you are somebody, then you are important, then you are loved, then you are special. You know, but if you don't do well, parents, if your child, I know parents, when their child get 98 marks, why are you so careless? You could have got 100. You know, you know how to do it. Why are you so careless? Now you only got 98. You see what I mean? Why are we conveying performance? If you do well, you're accepted. If you do well, you're loved. If you don't do well, you're, you're rejected. You're, you're no good. You're nobody. You know? So I, I, I can't wait for my parents to, 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 to tell me, you know, to reassure myself with. So I have to perform. Perform. You know, the best thing to prove I'm worth somebody is bring back a certificate to show you, bring back a medal to show you that I'm somebody. That's a, not best thing. That's the easiest thing for me to do, rather than wait for you to see to see I'm good and say I'm good. You know, so so that's the easy way. Okay, so this is how we are brought up in this world, and that's how we begin to form the the self image that we have about ourselves. Okay, uh, so I hope uh, tonight that's that's where we're going to stop. We're going to continue tomorrow night. Uh, I hope. From this sharing, you begin to understand a little bit some of the ways you look at things and how it has affected you, the messages that you have received and, and, and how it has affected you. And, and so that we begin to, as we progress, you begin to be able to see who you are in God and, and come out of this uh, uh, wrong self-image that we have about ourselves. Okay, let's stand up. We're going to close in a word of prayer. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord? Maybe some of us, you know, as we share, you you realize there are some wrong messages, identity messages that you have been receiving. And even some voices from the enemies. Previously, you just thought it's yourself. But tonight, you begin to realize how serious those voices are affecting your future, affecting your performance, affecting your life. And you realize it's from the enemies. And tonight, as we close, you just respond to God. You just talk to God according to the way that, that He has spoken to you, according to the way that you have gone through in your experience, in your life, and how you're affected by those messages. And, and you know it's wrong, you know that those messages are not right. Tonight you just reject them. You begin to reaffirm yourself, who you are in God. Although we have not gone into details, but I think you have some knowledge already about who you are. And just stand firm on what the Word of God says about you so that you can ward off those voices from the enemies that seek to destroy you, that seek to take away your future in God. Hallelujah.